Welcome to my podcast, Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond, and it's your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj. And today I have a very inspiring guest who is an author, an artist, and also a great chef. And she's also a teacher who teaches people how to be a great cook. How I came to know her, I came to know about her book called What to Eat for How You Feel. First, when I read this, it sounded like a psychology book, like it's all about feelings. But then it went into how recipes and the food you eat can actually change your feelings. And this is what Ayurveda is talking about. Like, you know, whatever we eat, the information of what goes inside is through the food that you're eating. And what we eat today is becoming the blood tomorrow. And the blood is going to make us feel how we are. And our feelings is everything for us. If we feel good, life is good. If we feel bad, life is bad. So typically, this book is saying how to feel good in your life. And that the title just blew my mind and I got too much into it. And then I was invited to give a talk in New York. And I was so surprised that I was giving a talk in the restaurant that she's running. And the name of the restaurant is Divya's Kitchen, which is named after her, Divya Altar. And by the way, the name Divya means divine. So Divya Alter, I'm so happy to have you in my podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Vignesh. This is such an honor and such an inspiration to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. So Divya, living in New York, what's the story behind your passion for cooking and Ayurveda? It's a long story. I will shorten it a lot. Um, I was born in Bulgaria, so this is my accent. Mm -hmm. I, was, I grew up in Bulgaria for the first um, 20, 25 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to India. Uh, I mean, shortly after I moved to India and I lived and studied there in several holy places and schools for about five years. And I met my uh, spiritual teacher, and that's my the, the, the Divya name comes from my Guruji. Mm -hmm. And um, um, yes, the, the reason I came to the United States, I was called here for work just to assist with the project for a year. And then I met my husband, Prentice, who is American, and we got married and we decided to settle in New York City. And, that's how um, I came to New York. And about uh, how many years? About four years ago. Um, I mean, we've been having um, a cooking school, Ayurvedic cooking school, for about 11, 12 years now. In New and York? About four, in New York, yes. And about four years ago, we decided to open our first restaurant. We were offered a very nice location for it. And we, were, we felt that we were ready to... to go to the next step. You know, what inspired me is just over the years teaching Ayurvedic cooking classes, it really blew my mind by how receptive people are to uh, the concepts of Ayurveda for self-healing and also for cooking at home. And the results my students were getting in terms of improving their digestion, not feeling heavy, and not getting any reactions after they eat and really enjoying food for some of them who had chronic issues, enjoying food for the first time in a long time. So I was like, oh, wow, well, people really appreciate this kind of food and they need it. And our students, while we ask, we've had over, over 20,000 people come to our classes and they would always ask, oh, wow, this feels amazing. It tastes so good. Where can I eat like this? 
and I would say, well, here <laughs> at the cooking class, are you making it home? So then we decided to uh, make our Ayurvedic food and also in general to make Ayurveda more accessible to New Yorkers and took a big leap of faith and with the support of a lot of friends, we opened our first restaurant in October of 2016. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the long story short. Well, I must say I really enjoyed the food that I had in your restaurant. I highly recommend it. And definitely you must have a real courage to start an Ayurvedic restaurant in New York. It's not an easy place to do business and that to a completely new concept like, okay, you hear a lot of other restaurants happening in New York, but an Ayurvedic restaurant, I think that's the only Ayurvedic restaurant in New York that I knew when I searched the Google. Yes, it was... Um... A lot of a lot of business people they were like ah oh, we don't know if it will be successful because it's not a mainstream concept yet even mm -hmm. though the interest is increasing month by month I would say but um, you know we took the risk because we feel my husband and I we strongly feel that when we're aligned with our values. Mm -hmm. And when we aligned with our dharma, so to say, with uh, what we meant to do in life, that divine help always comes. So we, and also we had a lot of help in terms of the business aspect, because the other risk was that we've never run a restaurant in our, in our life. You know, my husband was a monk for 15 years. And before I married him, when I was in India, I was, also lived monastic style lifestyle. So... Running a business was something, especially a restaurant, was something that we had to learn as we were doing it. But we also have a couple of very experienced business partners in the restaurant industry who have been really invaluable as advisors. And this gave us the courage to do that. And then on the other side, the Ayurvedic aspect of food, number one, you never serve leftovers, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is always freshly prepared to ensure the, the ability to digest the food and also to ensure that the prana, the life force, is as much as it can be in the food. So when our, I have a few professional chefs who also have other restaurant businesses, and when they he heard that we never reheat our soups, mm -hmm. we basically don't reheat anything. <laughs> So we either keep, we keep the hot food hot and we cook it, some dishes, a lot of the dishes actually we cook twice a, twice a day mm -hmm. for lunch and for dinner. So we serve it within four hours of cooking. And um, yeah, so that's not a very good business model because you can create a lot of waste that way. And also it increases the labor cost a lot because you have to constantly be preparing fresh food. And some of our business partner, like restaurant friends, they were like, you're crazy. This is this model is not going to work. You're going to fail. And we were like, well, I can, I was, especially with food. And I sometimes go into arguments even with my husband. He was like, can you, can you serve frozen lasagna? And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> That's against the value. So, so, so I was, I was like, I, I cannot compromise my my principles and the ayurvedic principles and what we're here to do because we have a promise to our customers 
And they always tell me, you know, I can really feel how fresh this food is. So, um, so far, so good. Uh, we, we received several awards. We were listed twice in a year, twice in a row, uh, two years in a row, among the 50 best vegetarian restaurants in America, USA wow. Today listed us and um, yeah we have wonderful community of people who come regularly or people who come from other states or even other countries whenever they come back to New York they always come to see us and we really love that and that's what keeps us going even though right now the business is very challenging <laughs> of course we oh, yes during the corona times the business for everyone except for the mask sellers and for the Hand sanitizers, it's challenging. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we've been closed for a month and a half now. And uh, we are planning to reopen food delivery in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully that will work out because a lot of our guests are, and friends, they're emailing us and they're like, I'm so sick of my cooking. Please, can you open even with a simpler menu? We really miss your food. <laughs> I can imagine. For the kind of food that you offer there, it's, uh, you can, uh, you know, we have this uh, feeling from childhood, healthy food is not going to be tasty. And if it is tasty, it's something not, uh, it's not going to be something healthy for you. But mm -hmm. that is something that we are changing with people like you, you know, this is one thing that inspires to see people like you and also to interview people like you. And one thing that I, found quite interesting in your cookbook is you, uh, you write about producing, I mean, the, the, whatever is available in the harvest, that is something that you cook, which is something aligned with the concept of Ayurveda. So mm -hmm. how do you deal with that? Does that change your menu throughout the year? Well, yes and no. Um, from a, Yes, my cookbook teaches you how to cook seasonal ingredients and adjust them to your digestion. And we can mm -hmm. speak more about that later but um you know when i create when i created the initial menu when i adjust the menu and add dishes my in my thinking my thought process is to always create more or less tradashic dishes mm -hmm. there's slight variations that um, can really support like one dish supports a dasha more than another um, and that's how we describe it on, on the menu, more for fun, really, not to go deep into it. But um, we try to have more tridashic items because from a business point of view, especially when you cook the volume that we do, it's very difficult to change the menu constantly. Mm -hmm. So what I do, for example, is we always have seasonal kitchery. And... Um, like in spring now, instead of green beans, I'm using asparagus. I see. You know, so, and then carrots are kind of, carrots are in season more or less. They're in season all year round. They consider it seasonal. The same with the curry or with the roasted vegetables, they're much easier to adjust. Like in the winter and early spring, we use Brussels sprouts uh, because they're more heating. And then when cauliflower comes in season, we replace the Brussels sprouts with cauliflower or broccoli like that. Um, and then there are other vegetables as well. So I don't change, I adjust the vegetables, but the dishes remain the same more or less. 
it's just because you know every time i have to change the menu even with the smallest thing it's not very easy i have to reprint i have to train i have to change everything online it actually takes a few days just to make one simple menu change mm -hmm. but yes it still works it's it works well so so far no complaints <laughs> well what do you think what what would be your advice for See, that uh, as long as you are following the fresh food and it is see we live in a fast food culture we live in a processed food culture we live in a warmed up reheated food culture in yeah. in such a culture as long as if you are able to cook and give it fresh that itself solves many of the health problems that we are having and uh, for me you know being an ayurvedic doctor for us giving nutritional advice is one of the foundations of our practice it's not just giving medications so when people come and say okay i'm having diabetes people want a pill like the allopathic system then there's no difference between us and uh, another doctor who just writes a pill to give a symptomatic relief. Yes. It's a complete turnaround in their life. And people who are, let's say, who are diabetic, it's not that they're really enjoying the food. They're into mindless eating. So when you give them the fresh food and tell them this food is something that you eat it with mindfulness and all these changes, slowly their whole life changes according to that. So when you're able to give fresh food, without being reheated, without being pre-cooked, without stored for a longer period, that itself solves a huge issue there itself. So I really admire the, the philosophy of your restaurant there. <laughs> Thank you. Now, now, when you say, uh, when you, if you meet a new chef, let's say, this is my curiosity, you know, in the chef's language or a cook, how would you educate them? How is it different from a normal cooking and what is Ayurvedic cooking? Yeah, that's a really interesting... Okay, I understand, but when you meet a chef who has no idea what is Ayurvedic cooking, how would you say, okay, how is uh, Ayurvedic cooking different from a normal cooking? Yeah, well, it's really interesting discussion. I, I love speaking about that. For me, it boils down to three basic aspects. Um, number one, like my teacher, my main Ayurveda teacher, his name is Vaidya Ramakant Mishra. He he comes from the Shakavansiya Ayurvedic tradition mm -hmm. um, and he passed away unfortunately but he personally trained me in many different ways and I studied with him uh, as a practitioner as well but so he always brought this up when he spoke about Ayurvedic food the two main aspects and I will add a third one when I explain it to a chef so number one is the ingredients proper selection and combination of ingredients it's called like so he would call it um sang yoga connecting together and so number one select your ingredients the best quality ingredients because i always believe that if the highest quality ingredients that in, in, involves freshness seasonal without pesticides this will give you the most prana it's really pranically charged uh, highest quality ingredients and then um, sun yoga also refers to proper combination of ingredients so the ayurvedic aspect principle or concept of um, virudha har so uh, avoiding foods that kind of fight 
in the stomach, <laughs> incompatible foods. And selecting in, in recipes and cooking, selecting the foods that go well together. And when I first started studying Ayurveda, this blew my mind. I was like, wow, no other, no other science, no, nobody else speaks about that in mm -hmm. such depth, depth. So that's really important. And why? Because we always think about not just the food should not only taste good and look good, but also feel really good after you eat it. So ensuring that the, those who eat your food are able to fully digest it and enjoy it and feel really good, sometimes for days, because the food really nourished and energized them. So I always tell them, you know, um, I, I really care about how people digest my food. And, and, and I really care if somebody comes to me and says, I felt really bloated after I ate your food, I will be really concerned. You know? So I want them to enjoy food before, during and after. So that's the sun yoga aspect. It's all based on ultimately on digestion, but also enjoying the food. And then the second aspect is sanskara. Sanskara means proper preparation. So prepared using the type of cooking techniques and cooking methods that um, help cook the food, but at the same time protect the prana, not overcooking it. Uh, when the cook is perfect, when the food is perfectly cooked, it can also be digested, and also you enjoy the looks and and, and the taste of it. So proper combination, proper preparation, and then the other thing that that I would add in this regard is the use of spices. Mm -hmm. So um, Ayurveda gives us a very detailed knowledge about each and every spice. It's just amazing. I, I, I consider myself a life student of Dravya Guna Vigyan. <laughs> the, the pharmacology compilation of Ayurveda is just so fascinating to me. And um, it, it's, it's a book that compiles the descriptions of all the the most prominent Ayurvedic Sanskrit texts, and it's it's um, um, the book is compiled according to ingredient. So the book speaks about cumin, and it has two pages about cumin. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So a lot of, especially especially modern Western cooking, is mostly based on the principle of French cooking which is all about taste and tasting great. It feels so heavy because it uses a lot of butter and a lot of cream and a lot of incompatible foods. Um, so yeah, it tastes great. And then it's like, oh my God, it's so heavy. I feel so tired I, uh, and many other problems. Um, so when I tell them, yeah, you know, we use spices not just to make the food flavorful. We use spices because each and every spice has particular medicinal effect in terms of how you digest food so it's it's also supports the healing it, it increases the healing properties of the food that's quite interesting because in ayurveda we believe you know it's not what you eat it's how you digest that really matters exactly and definitely cooking has a huge role in making sure how good you're going to digest and yes, spices makes the difference. You know, we read in history, Christopher Columbus, even though he was scared, he will fall from the edge of the planet. He still sailed thinking that I'm going to find India and get the spices. Yes. So spices really makes a difference. I can imagine. Yes. Yeah, spices are gold in Ayurvedic cooking. It's, it's, the, it's the currency for digesting your food and enjoying the benefits of it long term. 
that's quite interesting how we see the differentiation with that and uh, do you also teach other chefs to integrate ayurveda into their cooking in your in your cooking school uh yes you know in our in our cooking school is called bhagavat life Mm-hmm. and we cook all kinds we teach all kinds of classes i have a special workshop dedicated to spices mm-hmm. um learning more about the healing benefits of spices and then showing how to prepare different spice blends and different methods the different cooking techniques in using spices you can use them in different ways mm-hmm. and then also of course every cooking class even if it's just an introduction it involves the use of spices so we 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 teach that with the dishes that are in the menu so in your cooking uh, let's say you're cooking at home for for your family what would be your favorite i mean that's a very wide question i mean uh, we all will have different needs for different times but in the coming next few months when you have in such a time when people wants to improve their immunity and your immunity is also depending on your good digestion so according to you what spices are your favorite when it comes to feeling good and also to improving the digestion yeah it's a hard question because i love using spices even though my food is not very spicy because my husband and i are high pitta mm-hmm. so we when it's not pungent but mm-hmm. i still use spices so one of my favorite spices in, is ginger Mm-hmm. and i i love ginger because it has the pungency to increase your digestive fire and uh to support your circulation to support your elimination um it also has tremendous antibacterial antiviral properties it, i love it, it like clears congestion so it, ginger is like one of those divine herbs that um it's good for everybody and it's not too heating for the fiery for the high pitta because the post digestive taste is sweet mm-hmm. so it's not too too heating for the liver ultimately so i honestly i use ginger a lot less in the summer but especially now in spring ginger is really my best friend i just made ginger tea i like to slice it thin and add it to vegetables um always use ginger in lentils because it reduces the gassy properties of lentils So yeah ginger is one spice. I cannot imagine my life without turmeric. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Now that has almost become synonym to ayurveda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And turmeric um one thing a lot of people don't know that my teacher Vadimisha would always stress is turmeric because of its uh it has a heating and drying properties. Mm-hmm. And because of to balance that he always taught me to cook it with it has to be heated mm-hmm. and it it needs fat so he always said always cook with it don't just sprinkle it on top of your food or or um make a tea or something like it needs a little bit of fat and a little bit of and and heat without burning it of course so mm-hmm. um that's also and recently I, i was looking at there was an article bbc article i think last year or two years ago and i was so fascinated by it because they did a study of uh with different groups over several months of how about the absorption of turmeric so they presented real like there were t- different groups and they used turmeric in different ways and they found that the the group that cooked with it had the most 
the highest um, assimilation and the best results. And I was like, oh, yes. So it's <laughs> much more than just an anti-inflammatory. Yes, oh, so much more. I, uh, turmeric is just one of those spices, but it's very, it's also heating. Mm -hmm. So to balance, I always use a cooling spice like coriander or fennel or um, like that. So, um, and another really spice, I mean, I can go on and on. I'll just give you one more. And I would love for you, for you to also maybe share your favorite maybe spice. I can do that. I love kalanji seeds. They're also known as black cumin or black seed. If you've heard of black seed oil, very popular in America. Mm -hmm. And um, what I love about it is that it, it's another spice that's slightly heating and it really helps. Like one thing Ayurveda says about kalanji is that it can burn ama or semi-digestive toxins from semi-digestive food it can burn ama from all the tissues in the body, like yes. all the tatas. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. I need more adjuan, uh, uh, not adjuan, uh, kalanji. So um, it's a really great spice, maybe not so known to the Western audience. It's easily available in, in um, Indian grocery stores and, and everywhere because black seed is so popular nowadays. But try it as a spice, it's also very tasty. Mm -hmm. That's quite interesting. That's a wonderful list of uh, spices that you mentioned. One thing that I, I would like to add to that, especially during this coronavirus times. Uh, in, in Kerala, we call it uh, Ayamodagam, but the Hindi name is called Ajwain, which you just uh, yes. said. The, I think the English name for that is Karam Seeds. I mean, that is something that really helps you to improve your immune system to protect yourself against common cold and lowering your immune system. So this is one thing that I highly recommend. This is adjoin seeds that can be added. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's another very heating spice. Mm -hmm. I use it. I like to add a couple of pinches to tea, like mm -hmm. ginger tea with a couple of pinches of adjoin. And um, I recently developed a turmeric broth recipe mm -hmm. and I add couple pinches of fudge wine the only the only time i don't use it if i feel very heated sometimes i'm starting menopause now and mm -hmm. sometimes when i feel these waves of heat it's like okay cut down on the edge wine for now but yes very powerful antibacterial properties so and it's another spice that the western audience doesn't know so mm -hmm. well but easily available online or in indian grocery stores and I always encourage people not to be afraid to use new spices, you know, mm. especially if you have good recipes that show you how to use them properly. Just add them because spices um, are our best friends for digestion. Definitely. I think that's what gives an upper hand for Ayurveda and that's why people come to Ayurveda for improving their digestive capacity. Yeah, because that's really the... That's the foundation of, of good health. If that's not working, everything else starts to fall apart. And I'm sure in your practice, you have a lot of experience of that. Well, yes, we uh, use spices uh, for medicines and for the nutrition. I mean, there is a very thin line between Ayurvedic medicine and Ayurvedic food, actually. Yes. So it's not a big difference, actually. And mm. I just want to let you know, there is a synonym for 
ginger in sanskrit it's called as vishva beshaja the oh. word vishva beshaja means vishva means universal and beshaja means medicine it's a universal medicine yes. and also it's quite interesting to understand the word for medicine in sanskrit is called as beshaja and if you look at the etymology of the word beshaja it's even more interesting it says anything that helps to get rid of fear of disease hmm because the fear of attack is stronger than the attack itself so today yeah. we are more worried about the corona virus than the i mean the fear of that disease is stronger than the uh, the disease itself so that is why it is called as beshaja it actually means anything that helps you to recover from the fear of disease is called as medicine oh thank you for sharing this this is beautiful thank you i'm so actually ginger is called as vishwa beshaja beautiful and, and uh the way so if you see someone who is not interested in cooking is there some way you help them fall in love with cooking yeah um of course i mean first i like them to fall in love with eating like good eating <laughs> like because if you like to eat you will you will be motivated to cook but um but also the other so also you'll be more motivated to cook if you're if you have this intention to help yourself heal to uh, the intention for self care to take care of yourself and very often we neglect our health to put career or uh travel or um, family to make that the priority and that's fine because we go through different periods in in life and sometimes we're forced to really spend more time on our career and that's an important part of our life but then our health goes down and then we we spend all the money we earn to getting our health back to balance so if there is a way to find that middle ground to to uh to pay attention to all the important aspects of our lives including taking care of ourselves and what we eat is such a big part of it has such a big influence on how we feel but also long term how we how our body responds to anything that happens in life so i always like to see um and i struggled with that a lot like i was very sick for some time that's how i got into ayurveda because especially when we I lived in India I was treated by several ayurvedic doctors and it really helped me understand that ayurveda is a participatory medicine so it's not i'm going to be lazy and just take the pill and just live my continue with my bad habits and expect expect good results it just doesn't work that way So one of the biggest lessons that Ayurveda has taught me is self-care. In a selfless way, you know, like not just self-care and just being absorbed in all that and forget everything else, but with the intention to for myself to be strong and balanced so that I can serve others and do what I'm meant to do in this life. So um if somebody says, "Yeah, I want to be healthy," and I said, "Okay, well, um the three aspects of health 
the sub pillars of health are health are diet, lifestyle, and the environment you live in. So how are you doing on your diet? <laughs> what do you eat? And sometimes even I I was trained by Dimitri, by Vladimir how to read pulse. I'm still a great beginner in this. But when I read pulse and I ask them, are you experiencing this and that? And they're like, yeah, how do you know? And I would say, well, this has been accumulated over a long period of time. Are you willing to change? And they're like, yes. And then they're more open. So cooking at home doesn't, it takes time. It, it's commit, a commitment, it takes time. But it also doesn't have to be complicated and, 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 and taunting, you know, it shouldn't be stressful. So you can, at home, you can cook more simple dishes and then once in a while, if you like to eat out and at good restaurants, then that's okay. Um, but I always tell people, if you want to start cooking, start with small things mm -hmm. that you really like. And always replace a bad food or food that's not good for you or a bad eating habit with something positive. So replace canola oil or hydrogenated oil with good olive oil and good cultured ghee, you know. Mm -hmm. Always give an alternative. And when people feel supported like that, they, they're like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can cook. I, I can do a little bit. So when you make that a priority it becomes easy to incorporate it in your daily life i think that's the key we have to make it as a priority there's no other choice but than that yeah and don't wait until you become so chronically ill that there is no other way you know you exactly. either make it a priority or you die you don't want to wait for that to happen start now so that you can enjoy a balanced and healthy life for a long for many years exactly now, people think if they make health as a priority, it's something that needs to be done when they're old or in their old age. And by the time, when, if, even if they want to make it as a priority, it, it becomes beyond their capacity to do it. Yeah. And also, you know, some people are by nature very healthy. They have very strong constitutions. And they're like, yeah, nothing is wrong with me. I'm doing all these things that you said I shouldn't do. And then one day they just drop dead because the body cannot tolerate it anymore. But... But um, but for some people like me, I'm super sensitive. I do one small thing that's wrong for me and I immediately feel it. So in, in one sense, even though it's, it's uncomfortable, in one sense, it's a blessing because it always helps me listen to my body and adjust immediately. Yes, it's, it's actually a real blessing in disguise. It's like you have a very uh, instant feedback system. That's what it means. Yes. If something is not right, you will know it immediately. <laughs> Don't wait. It's not like a frog in a boiling water which gets to know when there is a stage of no return. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting example. <laughs> and one thing I would like to bring it back uh, in this discussion. You mentioned something about virudahara, which means, you know, incompatible uh, food combination or the food combination that is unhealthy. So uh, when you look at the Western cooking that you see today, especially when you have these cheeseburgers with cheese and meat come together. Now, what would you recommend to the listeners? What are the unhealthy food combination that is a no-no? I mean, listening from a chef who is a nutritionist and also who studied Ayurveda for five years, it will be interesting to hear from you. 
Yeah, well, I see this a lot uh, when I look at menus. Um, so for example, you mentioned meat and cheese or meat and any kind of dairy is mm -hmm. very hard to digest. Um, in general, dairy is one of the most volatile, one of the most sensitive ingredients, in particular milk and heavy cream. So in French cooking, they put heavy cream in everything, like making a bechamel sauce with milk and heavy cream. So milk and salt are incompatible mm -hmm. for digestion. It actually, you can get a breakout on your skin from that. And um, that's very common. You make a creamy soup, you add some heavy cream, add some salt. Um, and also a very common thing that people do is fruit salad eating fruit fresh fruit and yogurt together mm -hmm. that's another very you'll feel very tired like you feel very heavy and tired when you eat that um and um i'm just thinking of very common recipes like eggs eggs and dairy is also very very heavy to digest and then for example here we have all these smoothie shops um, and having like strawberry milkshake with fresh strawberries. Usually they use frozen strawberries anyway, but it doesn't matter. Strawberries and dairy milk, that's a really bad combo. So any kind of sour taste food with milk and sour cream and, and heavy cream, it's incompatible. Just like when you make paneer, you add a little bit of lime juice or lemon juice to curdle the hot milk. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when you, when you eat... Uh, fr fresh food especially fresh fruit and milk it just it becomes like paneer in your in your stomach and it actually produces Bloops, so much yeah. so i don't know for our indian audience but typical american breakfast here that i've never really had in my life actually is you take this processed grain cereal and uh, you take cold milk out of the fridge and you pour it on top to soften it and then you sprinkle some fresh blueberries or some berries on the side. And then you have a cup of orange juice. And that's breakfast. For a that's lot of children, they serve Citrus acid and milk, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and orange juice is a very common American breakfast item. So when you mix the, and, you, and you're thinking, and people are not thinking about digestion. They're thinking about nutrition. Oh, I want to add some berries just to make it more nutritious because they're rich in antioxidants. Oh, I want some vitamin C for the oranges. So that's the, the fault of modern nutrition, or I would not fault, but I would say the, the, um, the lack of complete knowledge of modern nutrition is to uh, not consider the digestive properties of ingredients. They only consider the nutrition values. And another thing that I'm always shocked in terms of virudha, ahar, and incompatible foods is the school food in American schools that what they give to children there is always they always have to have some vegetable which sometimes it's considered the ketchup in on the pizza <laughs> that's considered the vegetable frozen pizza that's heated and then they always serve a small container with flavored milk that's cold and then fresh fruit like an apple and maybe some pasta or something like that. So you eat all of that, the, the children eat all of that, and no wonder they have so many allergies and they're able to concentrate, they're not able to concentrate, and they have all these digestive problems. So just some examples.
Yeah, I always tell my patients if they want to eat uh, meat and milk products together, it's like putting your freshly dyed black shirt and an expensive white shirt together in the washing machine. You know, oh, that's, that's a really good example. <laughs> that's really good example. See, we all are told to segregate the waste. You know, plastic on a one place, the food waste in one basket, mm-hmm. and uh, the paper waste another one we don't put all together in one because then the waste processing or recycling is not going to be properly done the same is with our stomach if you are not segregating it properly it's going to really affect you impact your processing of the food i love that thank you you're so wise dr vignesh <laughs> no i hope many chefs and cooks understand this concept of food combining it's this is completely uh, i read somewhere People who are into pharmaceutical business, they have no idea about what the food is creating. And people who are into the food industry, they have no idea what the health care is doing. So we need a blend of these two together. That's the only way for a good future with beautiful health and longevity. Yeah, that's why I'm so active teaching and speaking to the media i always mention this aspect because uh, the aspect of proper food compatibility because that's um that's one of the main concepts of ayurvedic cooking but also one of the main things that's lacking um in in um in healthy cuisine even healthy restaurants or healthy chefs i mean i collect cookbooks because i love cookbooks i like to see what others are doing i like to see what's popular i want to I sometimes I buy cookbooks because I like their layout. You know? <laughs> and I, when I, I really love the layout of your book. It's full of you. passion. It's every page is filled with your passion. Thank you. But um, but uh, even healthy cookbooks that are like top selling healthy cookbooks, and even some Ayurvedic cookbooks. You know, you like uh, the, the labeled Ayurvedic cookbooks would uh, don't have these aspects of of food compatibility and you see a smoothie with all the superfoods in it and again based on nutrition value and not on digest on digestion and proper food compatibility so i really hope that one day this will become the trend that chefs will actually be trained and they'll always think about food compatibility as well no i think that's the way forward because see 80 percent of the diseases that are mentioned in the modern medicine are diseases of unknown origin. It doesn't mean that there is no cause. Uh, it just means that you know they are not able to identify one single factor. But mm-hmm. if you ask an Ayurvedic doctor, they say everything goes back to their eating and their lifestyle. And also their mindset also. So that is yeah. why in, uh, in Ayurveda, we call it Pathya. Pathya means something that which is going to help you heal faster. Mm. So the, the nutritional advice that we give, it has to enhance that healing capacity of the body. So that is why mm. nutritional advice is an inherent part of an Ayurvedic prescription in an Ayurvedic practice today. You, you cannot separate it because yeah. even if you have the best doctor and the best herbs without proper nutrition, you're not going to heal properly or so quickly. That's the so. best thing about uh, I really like this interview that with you, with bringing out so much of great insights. And uh, you bring this to me, thank you, Doctor Vignesh. <laughs> is there any advice that you would like to give before we wrap up to the people listening? 
when it comes to healthy cooking, what would be your important tips to bring in healthy cooking? I would, um, hmm. I would say healthy cooking, view healthy cooking as an expression of love, as something that you do as an expression of love for yourself and for others. Don't do it as a chore. Don't, don't, don't make it a stressful, don't make cooking at home a stressful situation because the stress then is not healthy. <laughs> cooking is a celebration. <laughs> it is a celebration. It's an adventure. You go into the kitchen and it's like, oh, wow, I love, like, what can I cook today that I've never cooked before? Or what ingredient, like, make it an adventure. Make it, make it an, a creative expression of who you are and uh, make it fun. And of course, there is always a very quick, immediate result to enjoy. And even if it doesn't come out perfect, still, it was a learning experience. Next time it will be great, but it's still better to cook at home than to heat up a frozen meal or to go to a restaurant that doesn't use very good ingredients and it doesn't serve freshly cooked food. So make it an adventure um, and start in small steps. Like in my cookbook, I have this very simple recipe for cooked apple pre-breakfast. Mm -hmm. It takes five minutes to cook. You do it first thing in the morning and you eat it first thing in the morning because it, it kind of jumpstarts your digestive fire. It's also very good for elimination. Yesterday, I was speaking with a friend of mine. It was her birthday. We had a Zoom birthday party. <laughs> And she got my cookbook uh, like a few months ago. At the, no, no, it's almost a year ago when I did a cooking class in California. And she was like, we use this book all the time. Oh, your book is in my counter all the time. And the cooked apple, I was chronically constipated for years. And that's the best gift you've given me, the cooked apple. I'm not constipated anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesse. And that's such a small recipe. It's very easy, super simple. Apples are available everywhere all the time. You could use a pear also, but it feels so good in your body. And it's a small cooking. So if you don't cook it all, it kind of gets you in the mode of cooking. So start with small steps. Do something. It's, it's a positive thing you can do for yourself and others. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my professors used to say, cheap food will be the most expensive thing for your health. That's so why you said, yes. So it's, it's okay to invest good food. It's okay to invest in the right uh, raw ingredients. It's always in, uh, wise to invest in cooking healthy. Exactly. It's a, it's a lifetime investment. It's a yeah. long-term investment. And also by doing so, you can inspire others. You can inspire people in your family you can inspire your friends to do the same and feel better that was really fantastic divya thank you for being a part of this podcast and i will be including the details about your restaurant and also your cookbook and i think your cookbook is also in german edition it just came out in german last month yes oh <laughs> Actually, that's fantastic yes i will i will uh, i will include the title of that also in in my bio in my uh, description about the podcast yeah thank you and also if you can send me if you want to send me a couple of sentences for 
um, your Sita, Sita retreat, right? Yes, the, Sita, yes. Uh, please, I love the name. <laughs> Sita. information. You know, so many people ask me about Ayurvedic clinics and because I've never... I, I've been to one in Vrindavan and I've done pan, partial panchakarma in Bombay, but I'll never send people to Mumbai. Mm. Uh, they need to be in nature. So I would love to recommend um, your retreat to people. Thank you so much. So if you could send me just a couple of sentences and I can link this to my social media. Sure, sure, sure. I'll do that. <laughs> so thank you so much, Divya Alta. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. And I will definitely include the details about your cooking classes, your blog, fantastic blog, and also your cookbook. And I will also include the German edition name, title of your book also in the description of this. Thank you thank so you. much. It was such a pleasure, Dr. Vignesh. Thank you.